Well, would that be anybody's uh, nightmare to actually get on Jeopardy and then have a category be the Bible? Can you imagine, you know, especially some of those of us who, you know, have actually been following Christ for a while, that would be just the worst thing to have Bible up there and then to let the world watch what we actually know. Total side note, I was watching Jeopardy a few, few uh, years ago, and they actually did have three contestants that were so bad that they couldn't get any money that they went to a commercial and they came back and there were three different contestants on the show. <laughs> I've never seen Alex Trebek so upset in my life. It's pretty interesting. But I think when, the reason we did this, you guys, is because I think that many times when we think about the Bible, we think of how important it is to know stuff about the Bible. And we kind of feel like we need to be Ken Jennings. You guys remember Ken? Yeah, right here from our very own Salt Lake City, who won 74 episodes in a row on Jeopardy, hauling in $2.4 million. Anybody know Ken? No, okay, what a bummer. We could invite him to come here. All right. Well, but here, here's the deal. We've been talking about how important, from day one of, 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 of 2008, we've been addressing this issue of how important it really is to know God. Jesus Christ, again, he says, this is eternal life, that you actually know God. And then Paul, as we've said, mentioned week after week, just saying that Paul, too, who wrote many of these epistles, is the one who said, everything else in all the world is actually garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. And so this is a huge thing that we're trying to do. And so we did this whole series on the critical journey that we just finished up a couple weeks ago, helping us to understand that there are different phases that we go in in our journey of actually knowing God, getting to the point where God wants us more and more to actually reflect him in our life, in the way that we live. Um, and so now we're doing this series, and this is the second week, and it's called Getting God Into Your Life. How can I know God and actually have him be a part of my life? And last week, Craig Mays was here and really shared with us about prayer. Um, and again, the intimacy, the, the, the relationship that God actually wants to have us and have with us, and how prayer is this huge avenue that he's given for us. And today we're looking at how do we get God into our lives through the Bible. And I would say that many times if we say that, uh, if you need to know God, then some people would say, well, the, the most important thing to do then is you got to open up this, this book, this Bible. But I also know that most of the time, even though they can look small and cool today, isn't that cool? You know, this is my Bible. You can actually do this and people don't know what you're reading. It's really interesting. Instead of bringing the big, huge Bibles out that we had, because normally when people think about the Bible, they have a negative connotation. It's not something like, oh, man, yeah, I love to read the Bible. The Bible, I, I think, for some reason, isn't very favorable. And I don't know if you guys have had much experience. Some of you I know have had quite a bit of experience reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Maybe some of you in here have never really opened up the Bible very much to read it for yourself. But I would say here's a few experiences that we have. First of all, many of us just don't get it. It's a very confusing book. It's something written thousands of years ago in different cultures, and when I open it up, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it's, it's very confusing. Um, anybody ever feel like the Bible is boring? Okay, one. Thank you, Chris. So, uh, but sometimes the Bible's boring to us, and again, sometimes it's just too big. You ever open up, you ever look at this thing and just go, this is just, it's, it feels overwhelming. It's so long. And it's so big. I, if you're like me, man, I like the novels that are like cliff notes, you know, in uh, the Bible for Dummies or something of that nature. Because sometimes it just feels too overwhelming. How about this? How many of you have ever tried to read the Bible and you just fell asleep? 
You got anybody? Yeah, see, now, see, now look at that. We're all in good company here. Because it's, and I tell you, that's a, that's a whole other topic, actually. Why is it that when we start to read the Bible, I can be awake as I am right now and start reading the Bible and get tired immediately? And then, I think maybe the, one of the biggest reasons, too, is we pick this thing up and we read it and it doesn't help. It didn't do anything for me. And so, if I believe in God, I guess I should read it. But when I read it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's pretty boring. I fall asleep. And to be honest with you, it's just not helping very much. I want to suggest a few things today. But here's one of the main things I want to suggest as to why I think when we open up this book that instead of actually getting God into our life, instead of feeling like I know him more after I've read this, why when we engage with this, it doesn't seem to have any effect on us. And I think a lot of it is the attitude, actually, that we come to the Scripture with. Because we all have one. We all have preconceived notions of what the Bible is. We all have different um, ideas of the Bible, different ways we come to it. And I, I think a lot of it is, the reason we struggle with this book, is because of the way we were brought up in our own education system. The way we learned how to learn. And the way that we know things. Because if you, guys, if you guys remember, when you were back in school, and for those of you who are in school, looking at Dave here, who I knew was just taking some finals this week, when you're getting ready to take a test, how do you prove that you know something? You just give the right answer, right? And if I give you the right answer, then that means I know something. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I actually was a pretty good student in school, right about a 3.5 in high school and in college. But you know how I got my 3.5s? I was the best crammer in the world. Anybody join me? Any other crammers out there? I mean, I was the master. Ask Eric. Eric Winter was my roommate. Eric would be in there studying, actually learning things. And then I would be waiting until 11 o'clock at night, come back to the dorm room, cram it in. I literally, if, if some of you like this, I would be walking into class like this with my notes, you know, book open. As soon as the teacher hands me the thing, you put it down. I put down the right answers really well. And so when I graduate, I can graduate with honors because I supposedly know something. And you know what? I didn't know squat. I didn't know anything. What I knew how to do was how to play the game. That's what I knew. I can give you the answers so that you think, I, I, therefore, I know something. Now, if that's the way that we learn, then when we come to the Bible, I think the same thing happens. And, and again, in much of our training and instruction, what was I trained to do? I was trained to know what the Ten Commandments are. I was trained to know what the fruit of the spirits were. I was trained to know the order of the books in the Bible, right? And you got to know what those are. Now, knowing the fruit of the spirit and the Ten Commandments and the order of the books, are those helpful? Sure, they're helpful. But does that mean I actually know them? And the deeper question is, when you memorize lists or things of that nature within the scripture, does that actually help you know God? And I think one of the reasons we've gone to this book and said, this doesn't do anything for me, is because we've come at it with the way that we came at every other book that we were given when we grew up. And I'm going to suggest we have, a, have to have a totally different perspective when we come to the Bible. Here's the, here's the other thing that happens, because actually, some of you maybe did go to school to learn, and you know, eventually, or when I went for my master's, then it was a, in, a, in a subject and a topic that I actually cared about, and I really wanted to get this information. 
But again, what happens for many of us is when we took a class to learn something, what we were really doing is we were trying to know information for our own ends, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take on this job, and I want to be able to master the information in this book so that I can be the best that I can be so that I can accomplish my job and do it really well. In other words, what we do in our education system much, much of the time is we are the knower, and I'm going to know that, and I'm going to get that information because then I can use it for my ends. Right? Is that, isn't that what we do with our information? Isn't that why you gather information? Because knowledge is what? Power. And if I know everything, then I can use it. I can actually be in control. I can manipulate the situation, maybe in a good or negative way. It doesn't matter. But we like to gain knowledge because it means I finally get it. And now I can do the best thing with it. Jesus gave us this really, uh, the scriptures give us this really great warning. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. Anybody in here ever know anybody who knew a ton of stuff and they were a little puffed up? Anybody know any Christians who know lots of stuff and they're really puffed up? And what Jesus said is, knowledge puffs up, but what? But love builds up. And so you guys, one of the most important things I'm going to try to get across to you before we kind of get into some real practical stuff about the scriptures, is we've got to figure out how to come to the Bible with a totally different perspective, with a sense of humility and not pride. Because I think why we don't like to read the Bible, or maybe why your experience hasn't been so great in reading this, is because you've been reading this book to gather information. Just information. And so we kind of have this idea, if I get it, then I'll get God. And if I get it, then I can use it. But see, this is, this is, this is a very deep issue here, because truth is not a concept that works. As Jesus said, truth is a person that you actually get to know. He goes, I am the truth. And many times... Our whole Christian experience has been nothing but trying to get the facts down so that I can use it so I get a better life. And I tell you, if you're just going to the Bible to gather more information, you've totally missed the beauty of actually knowing God. If you've been coming here for a while, you've said it a million times, I'm not so interested that you know a lot about God, but man, do we want you to actually know God. And it's a completely different experience. And we've all had that, right? You've had people say, hey, I, let me tell you about so-and-so. And they can tell you about a person. You can even go on now and Google. I mean, you can Wikipedia people, right? I mean, you can find out tons of information about people. But it is a completely different experience when you actually sit down with them and actually get to know them personally. So here's the tension, you guys. What I think we do when we come to the Bible is we say, you know what? I'm going to get God. Instead of saying, I'm going to let God get me. We come, we open up the Bible and we say, you know what? I'm going to get in here and it's something that I'm going to use and I'm going to be able to control my situation if I really understand the Bible. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to let God control me. I think sometimes, and for some of you in here who maybe are a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, more intellectual in your exercise, but sometimes we can come at the Bible and say, you know what? I'm going to master this thing. 
And I mean, you can have a very good intention. I'm going to master this. Instead of saying, I'm going to be mastered. I'm going to let God master me. Sometimes we're going for information instead of transformation. And, and I'll tell you this. I think the reason we like information is because gathering information is actually pretty easy. Transformation is really hard. And we would rather keep the Bible an intellectual exercise instead of an actual encounter with God. Because if I encounter God, he's probably going to mean, he's probably going to ask that there would be some change in my life. Now, for some of us, so for some of us in this room, that's been our issue. Um, and I would say probably it's for most, of, most people who struggle with this would be people who've been a Christian for quite a long time. And, and that's been, your, your, your pursuit in Scripture has been intellectual, and you want to understand everything about the Bible. Okay, now hear me on this. That is not, in and of itself, a bad thing to want to know as much as you can about the Bible. But if it has left you cold and puffed up because you feel like you get it, instead of that you've been gotten, <laughs> that might be an issue for you. For some of you in here, Maybe you're, you haven't really put your faith in Christ yet, and your whole pursuit of God, your whole pursuit of Jesus Christ has been this intellectual pursuit. I'm going to get it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to master it. And I would like to encourage you that maybe that's been the wrong perspective to come to God at. Maybe it's been the wrong way to come into the scriptures. If he actually is personal, if he actually is love, if he actually is relational, then maybe we need to come at it in a different manner. Now, and then there's the other group of us in here are those who just feel like, man, as long if I can get the right answers, if I can understand the Bible, then that makes me a good Christian, and God will be really proud of me if I know the right stuff. And I'm telling you, I used to feel that way for years, that what really mattered to God was that I could shoot back to him the information. And you know what? That information can be helpful, but if, is it, if it isn't changing my heart, in my relationship, in my walk with God, then it really hasn't done what it's supposed to do. So here's, here's, here's my key question for you today. As we consider diving into the Bible, and that would be this. What do you, what do you really want, you guys, out of life? What do, you, what do you really want out of life? How badly do you say, you're here at church, you've gotten up early, you're at the first service, thank you for being here at the first service. You've gotten here early, You've set out some time, and you said, and I'm here. I must, either you want to know God, or you want to understand him better, or I, I would say a lot of our motivation is, man, my life, I just, whew, I just need a, I need a better life. I don't know what it is, but how much do you want to receive wisdom from this book and from God, or to receive direction for your life, which we're all looking for, to understand life? I think sometimes it's just, what is this all about? Why am I here? What's life's purpose? And sometimes um, when we think, well, how bad do I really want God and how great of a life do I want? Sometimes I think it's scary in here because the Bible actually warns us when we're not. And do you want to be warned? <laughs> do you actually want to know if you're on a path that's going to lead to destruction? Now, most of the time when we're on a path like that, we don't want anybody to tell us. But none of us want to experience destruction. We don't want our marriages to end. We don't want conflict at work. We don't want to have things eventually take over our lives where we're not in control anymore. None of us want that. 
How, how bad do we really want to know what love is? And then, how badly do you really want to be loved? And I just want to suggest that if we could come to this book with a real humble sense, God, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at this, and I'm not going to tell you who you are. Because, see, that's what we all have preconceived notions of who God is. And we come to the Bible and we say, now I'm going to kind of put this through my own grid. And I'll take what works and other stuff I'm not really going to take. Could you possibly instead come and say, you know what? I'm not going to try to control this. I'm not going to try to master it and get it. I'm actually going to come in a real humble manner and see if God himself might speak to me and change my heart. That he might give me direction. That he might give me wisdom. That he might warn me if I'm going on the wrong way. That he might actually love me. And that's what I remember last week from Craig May's talk about prayer. How cool would that be if you imagined that God was sitting in the, you know, the corner of the coffee shop or somewhere in your living room with this mentality to say, man, I just want to love on you. And I tell you, that's very similar with the Word of God. So we just need to change our mentality, I think. I'm not going to school when I open up the Bible. I'm actually going to have an encounter with a living God. All right? Two scriptures I want to look at, the classic ones for why should we open up this, the, the Bible. And the first one is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and you can read it with me on the screen. Why should we want to engage with God's word? And it says, because God's word is living and powerful. It is sharper than a sword that cuts both ways. It cuts straight into where the soul and the spirit meet, and it divides them. It cuts into the joints and the bones, and it tells what the heart is thinking about and what it wants to do. This is a great verse. So part of the experience, and those of us who've actually tried this for a while, the weirdest thing about this book is it's, it is, it's a living book. It's, it's so weird how there can be all these other books that you can read and you can gather information, but when you come at this with the Bible, it's like God will speak to you where you're at. And then, two years later, you'll read the same passage, and you'll get something new out of it that you never saw before. And you'll go, how did I not get that? And it's because it's actually living. This is God's word, and God is alive, you guys. He is not some set of principles that we try to follow. He is a living God. And what he says is, if you will take my word, because I'm the one, and we're going to get to this in the next verse, I'm the one who actually wrote this. I inspired this book. So when you engage with me in this book, you can actually hear my voice. Not audibly, but you will hear me. You will sense me moving in your spirit. You'll read this thing and all of a sudden ideas will come. Thoughts will come. Sometimes you just feel like he, he's speaking right to you about, I can't tell you how many times I feel like he's spoken to me exactly about my issue that I'm going through that very week. It's living and it's powerful. And, and, and partly, I gave a message, uh, this whole series a couple years ago, I think, on how, how do you know if it's God's voice? You know, because again, if, how can you have a relationship with somebody that you can't hear their voice? So I did a whole four-week series on how you can know the voice of God. But one thing that people will say about the voice of God is it bears more weight than your thoughts. You can read the Bible and you can have thoughts and you can think, because you do. You're rational, that's what it means to be human. But I'm telling you, God's word sometimes comes and it just it just hits you. It's deeper. It's weightier. It's actually powerful. And what is it doing? 
it says that it goes to the very center of who we are. It's like the sword, you guys, that can go right into your heart. And I love how it says that. It cuts in both ways. It cuts straight into where the soul and the spirit meet, and it divides them. In other words, what that means is, in our hearts and in our minds, we have so many thoughts. We have tons of thoughts. Some are right. Some are wrong. (laughs) Some are twisted. Some are good. Same thing with our desires. We all got good desires, right? Every human being has, every, well, almost every human being has good desires. And then we have bad desires. Can you relate? And, but part of the problem is sometimes we don't know, really know what's good and what's bad. Sometimes we don't really know what's right and we don't know, really know what's wrong. And what the word, what, this, what the scripture is saying right here is if you open God's word, it comes in like a sword and it divides the two. It helps you to know this is right, this is wrong. This was your idea. This was God's idea. This was a really good desire. This one, not so good. And when you're trying to figure out this mess inside your heart, inside your mind, one of the greatest things that can come in and divide it for you and make it make sense is the word of God. And he'll help you to know what is right and what's not, what's good and what's not. A quote from one of the guys I read this week, he says, the word of God goes to the very center of what we are. It cuts through to that which bonds us together as a being, and it touches upon that which forms the essence of what we are. Now, is that scary? Yeah. Because another reason we don't want to read the Bible, because lots of times we don't like what it says. (laughs) I don't know if I want to hear that right now. You know, I'd rather just kind of keep it covered up and think that my life is happy. You know, or that if I just keep doing this, it'll, you know, it'll be okay. And yet God is in here saying, man, you guys, if you're twist, if, if, if you stop and think about if your thoughts are wrong, if, you're, if your thinking is twisted, wouldn't you want to know that? What if your view of God has been formed by a human point of view or by personal experience? You ever think about, because this, I've said this a lot here too, like the fact that I'm going to trust my little pea brain to know what God is about? I mean, that's really a scary thought if you ever think, my view of God. And I I remember I had a really good friend who said that. Well, my God would never do that. And I just want to go, wow. So your God is who you would like him to be instead of who he really is. Do do you see what I'm saying? And 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 again, God is never forceful. He invites you. But if if you want to go through the rest of your life with your God and your view of who he is, pardon me, I feel like I just want to say today, wouldn't you maybe want to see what he actually says about himself instead of you telling him who you think he is? It, I don't know, if, have you ever had that personal experience? Where, where I, I've had this just kind of recently where, where people will have a certain view of who you are and they've already made preconceived notions of you and they've never met you. Did that ever happen to you? And, and you just want to go, dude, could we just have a conversation here? <laughs> because you have no idea who I am. You don't know my heart. You don't know my intention. And I feel like many times we can go through all of life and have a completely skewed view of who God is. But his word will divide that and let you know what your thoughts are and what's actually really true. And then I thought, what if our understanding of reality is skewed? You know, I mean, whether we think about it in depth, which some people do or not, why in the world are you here? Why do we exist? Is it just an accident? The beauty and the intricacy and the development of who you are. 
What is the purpose of life? Have you ever actually opened up the word of God and let him tell you who he is, who you are, and what this is all about? It's just huge to do that. Because here's the deal, you guys. It's living in its power because God knows you. He knows you, and he will speak to you, and he'll help you to see. And I, I just think this is where, again, if you're coming, when you open the Bible, if you're going to try to get God, it's going to be really hard to have a, a, a hard heart towards God and then let him reveal these things to you. But if you can come with an, and this is hard, <laughs> scary, but if you can open the Bible and say, okay, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I humble myself before you. I'm going to have a soft heart. I'm going to have an open mind. And I'm going to let you tell me instead of me tell you who you are. And I just tell you, I think that's when you can start to really receive from God. Here's the other passage that's just a classic one. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 14. And again, why would we want to open up this, this word and have this encounter with God? And it says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've received it. And again, I just want to say, because there's a lot of you in here right now who've made a decision to follow Christ, and maybe you've read the, the Bible a little bit, but the first thing I want to say is what, he, what Paul here says to Timothy, man, continue. <laughs> Don't just make a decision and then just kind of wait to get to heaven. Dive into this thing and get to know him. Find out God knows everything about you. He knows everything he has for you. So let's spend some time with him and get to know him clearly. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which you were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here it is. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And again, I, I'm just going to go through this really quick. You know, we could do a whole, probably four-week series on this. But again, basically, just when you open up the scriptures, you guys, Everything in here was God-breathed. What's that mean? It was inspired by God. God moved in people to write the words that he wanted to say. And they're his words, and that's why it's living. Now, if you have issues with that, I totally understand how you could have major issues with that. We're actually going to do a whole message on the validity of the scriptures in a couple months. We've done one before if you want to check our annals and, and find it and listen to it. We're going to hit that. But for, let's, just take, let's just say, let's take the word for what it says today, that God actually inspired this word. Then it's useful for teaching. You can actually find out, if when you open this up, you can find out what is true about life. It's useful for rebuke. What's that mean? Rebuke means when you see someone who's an error in judgment or in behavior, you can say no. <laughs> you know, like I shared a couple weeks ago with Caleb running out into the street, that you can say, not a good idea. And the scriptures are useful if you're off on a certain path to actually hear someone let you know, not good. That's not going to be a good idea. But then it's also used for, for what? For correction. See, it's not just a voice that says, don't do that. It's also a voice that says, do this. It actually corrects you. you know. And then the last thing is this. It trains you in righteousness. The more you read it, the more you understand it. It means it trains you to do what? To be able to do what's right. To actually know what's right between you and God. To know how to handle rightly your relationships, in your marriage, your family, your coworkers, your friends, the world, everything about the scripture. It can train you to actually do what's right. It's like a good golf game, right? How many of you went golfing this week? All right. Oh, just two of you. All right. Just, uh, 
I guess it was all my friends who went, because the sun came out, right? It was warm, and it was like, we're going golfing. And you guys, this is the perfect illustration. That's exactly what happens with golfing. If you, if you want to be good at all, the first thing you got to do is you got to have someone come and say, hey, this is how you hold the club, right? This is the club you should probably use. You don't putt with a driver. You know, this is the, just the simple little stuff that you learn about the game. And then you go out, and your first swing is horrible, right? And the ball's going all off, and the guy goes, yeah, that's not good. Okay, so let me rebuke you. In other words, let me help you know what you did wrong. Now, that's, that's good. Like, and, but then what you need is someone to tell you, but this is what to do that's right. I remember the first time I actually went to a, a, a guy who helped me do this, and he put up two screens of my swing. Oh, no, one was my swing, and one was a professional. And then he showed them slow motion, and you could see everything that was right, and then my swing went, Ronk! you know, that's where I went wrong. The scriptures can do that for us so that we can find out what we're doing and what we shouldn't be doing. So again, you guys, the question is, what kind of life do you want to live? How, 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 how intimately do you really want to know God? Really? Do we believe at all that God might know how to best live this life if he's the one who created it? I heard the greatest illustration from a pastor called Wayne Cordero. He's out in Hawaii. And he, he gave this illustration of how he started to play the guitar. And as he started to play the guitar, he said, I, I have a couple options. So my first one was this. Well, I'll just go to the community college and take a lesson once a week, right? And you could do that. I did that. When Susie got me my guitar for Christmas, I, I, I took from one guy once a week for an hour. He said, but what would happen if I'm over there playing, and all of a sudden this guy walks down the hall, and it's the master guitar player. He's just, he's it. Everybody in town, anybody in music knows this guy. He peeks back into the room, and he says, hey, um, I think you got some promise. If you'd be interested, I'd love to spend an hour a day mentoring you on the guitar. And so you take him up on it. A year later, you're in concert, and you're jamming. You are all over, and you're playing, and it's beautiful. It's unbelievable. And somebody comes up to you afterwards, and they go, holy smoke, how did you learn to play like that? And you go, well, I, I took an, uh, an hour lesson a week at the community college. They would go, no, you know, no, no, you didn't. I know that sound. You've been, you've been spending time with a master, haven't you? See, you know what I think most of us do? We come to K2, the church, community college, listen to some professor who knows maybe this and maybe not, and then we expect, I'm going to live a life that's full of God, that looks like him, that reflects him, that's full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all that kind of stuff. You know what the reality is, you guys? When you've said it here, I've said it a million times. If this is your only experience with God, it'll probably be a week, hour, week community college experience. But if you would learn how to spend an hour a day with the master who totally sees potential in every one of you, he created you, and you started spending time with him and learning from him, I'm telling you, there's no way a year from now your, your life doesn't look different. And people will actually look at you and say, what's different about you? There's something about you that's changed. And I would say it's probably because you spent time with the master. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I had a guy, Bill Abrams. I need to write him. I haven't talked to Bill in 20, probably 18 years, 17 years. But 20 years ago, fresh out of college, I had a guy sit me down. He said, hey, Dave, um, 
what do you do for your time with God? And I'm like, well, you know, nothing, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I'm a youth pastor. I don't have to spend time with God. Um, <laughs> just got to have fun. And, um, but Bill took me aside, and he taught me this really simple method of being in the, the Word of God. And he said, grab a five-by-seven little spiral notebook, and here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray before you start. I want you to believe that God's alive and that he'll actually speak to you. And ask him to reveal some verse that would be impactful for you. And then, you just this is a practice. You guys got to learn this. And then, read just a section. Don't read a lot. Just read a paragraph or maybe one chapter at the most. And have a prayerful attitude when you do it. Not, I'm going to get this, but more, God, what do you want to say to me? And then through that time, see if there's a verse that just hits you or intrigues you. And then write it down. Write it at the top of your paper. And then write the rest of the page just yourself. And it has to be personal. And write down what you feel like God is telling you to do. I want to tell you guys, if I never see Bill Abrams again on this earth, that man, one simple invitation to spend time with God has absolutely transformed my life. Seminary does not transform your life. Going to church doesn't transform your life. There's only one thing that transforms your life, and it's spending time intimately and personally with God. And you know what's weird? You'd feel like, you know, I was 22 years old, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm whatever. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. You'd figure after 20 years I'd come up with a better idea after all my training, right, and after doing ministry for 20 years. There is not anything. I've tried other things, and it's never better. Nothing else works more than sitting down with a dumb little notebook and the scriptures, reading a little bit and asking God to speak to me. And he has led me and encouraged me convicted me, spoken to me. He does it all the time. Not every day, but more and more he does it. And so what we're going to do for this rest of the today is this. We have this guy, Wayne Cordero. So then I go hear this guy two years ago, and he has this huge successful church in Hawaii. He's been training his people to do what Bill Abrams told me to do 20 years ago. And his church and his discipleship, the whole church is changing radically. You know why? Because people are stopping to, not, they're not just coming to hear Wayne at the community college once a week. They have figured out now how to engage with God. Not a pastor, God, directly. You guys know that's why Jesus died? He died on the cross to forgive us of our sin so he could fill us with his Holy Spirit so we could be reconciled back to God. <laughs> so you could have relationship with God. And so the people at Wayne's church are now just Monday through Saturday meeting with God, not the pastor. And it's transforming their church. And so we bought, he has these little thing called life journals, and we bought a ton of them. And we have some for you that you could purchase. They're only five bucks. And his method is this. And uh, actually, if you grab the sheet that's on your, your paper, you turn it over, not the scripture on the one side, you'll see this thing called SOAP, S-O-A-P. And what SOAP is, the S stands for scripture. And you just, there you go, you just write the verse or two or whatever at the top. The O is observation, and with the O, what you do is you take, this, you take the passage and you just start to write about it. What do I see? What, is, what, do I, what do I feel like God's telling me through this passage? 
And then the A is application. And the A is simply now, what do I actually do with it? Because you guys, that is the whole key. Again, a lot of Christians know a lot about God, but until you actually apply it, it never actually becomes a part of who you are. And then the P is a prayer. And you end it by just saying, oh, Lord, what? Whatever. You just engage with God. I have asked Brian Hemard to come up here and join me just real quick. Um, because back in May, after I heard uh, Wayne Cordero speak, um, uh, one of the things that Wayne does is he goes, well, I'm going to spend time with God every day anyway. So I guess what I should do is maybe if I grabbed a few other guys and we spent time together. <laughs> and so um, I grabbed Brian, I f- see a few of the other guys out here, and just said, hey, would you like to meet with me every Thursday morning? And we'll do this thing together. And so Brian's one of these guys, and I asked him because he's just kind of had a cool journey this last year or so about this. So why don't you just give him a little background or just, you know, kind of what you grew up with and what your spiritual ride's been like. Uh, I was born in New Orleans, uh, grew up in the South Louisiana area. Might need to hold that up just a little closer. Okay, I was born in New Orleans, and I grew up in South Louisiana. I was Roman Catholic, attended Catholic school, and uh, thought I knew Jesus. I knew he was sent by God to open the gates of heaven, and I kind of got through those gates. I had more win, you know, more in the win column than the the lost column. Um, You know, if you did a lot of good deeds and it offset the bad deeds, then you probably were going to get in. Um, How were you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't exactly a good guy. (laughs) Um, In my adult life, I had a great practice. I I was happy. I had, I guess, a few would call a life that, you know, just had the world by the tail and you were swinging it and just everything was going great. And then God put me, uh, he he humbled me a lot. I had two automobile accidents, uh, neither of which was my fault, but regardless of that, uh, I had to quit operating and and it forced me to retire. And um, I moved out to Utah and that's when my personal walk with Jesus really began. Um, uh, You know, period. Um, it, it was a whole different experience out here. And, and how long ago was that? About five years ago. About five years ago. Cool. Right. Um, we've kind of talked about this before, and it's kind of interesting. You know, my, my tagline for this season of my life, I think, would be that, you know, I lost my job and I found salvation. And it, um, I really have never been happier. It's, it's kind of an amazing thing. Um, and, and certainly this past year, what we're doing this soap method has really, really changed things a lot. So, okay, so when I invited you to, to do this with me, kind of what was your view of uh, the Bible and reading it and hearing from God, all that kind of stuff? Well, I was, after that series you'd given about, you know, hearing the whispers and all this stuff, you know, I, I didn't hear it. I didn't have a burning bush or a bolt of lightning, and I, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> um, but, but I was... Um, I was reading the Bible, you know, I guess you'd say casually, and I mean, I'd have a better day. It would put me in a better frame of mind for the day and things like that, but I really wasn't, um, it just really wasn't changing me anyway. I, you know, I just had a better day. Um, and then after you asked me to get this, in this group, it, um, I was pretty skeptical, to be quite honest. Um, I thought it might be a good academic exercise, and, and um, you know, I might know a little bit more about it. But I, I again, I just wasn't sure what I was going to get out of it. Yeah. So. Okay, so we started back in May. Is that right? When we look right. back. Right. So, uh, however, months that many months, uh, nine months or so. Right. 
has it been helpful? What's happened? Yeah, it has. Um, well, it, 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 I'm a person who needs discipline and structure in my life, and uh, this is a form, a format that you can follow. And if you do it, you really interactive. You become interactive with the Word of God, and if you become interactive with His Word, therefore you're really becoming interactive with Him. And that I think is the biggest change is that I, you know, I still haven't had that bolt of lightning hit me, but I, I I've definitely think I'm hearing God's whisper and, and his word to me and his instruction. And I'm more willing to, to act on a thought that I'm fairly sure is coming from him. Hmm. Um, I just think it's the, the ability to be interactive with his word is what this thing really gives you. Yeah. And, uh, so if you're going to encourage anybody out here to do it, what, what would you encourage them? Well, why, why, why do it? Why jump in and do this? For me, it was a... It, it's, it's a way in an organized fashion to get to know God. I guess that's the best way I can put that. Cool. Awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, normally, when, we, when you go to church and you worship God, and here at K2, we usually do our worship at the end, and you know, we'll ask the band to come up, and then we'll sing to them. And what we realized today was uh, that wouldn't, I don't know, we could do that right now. But we felt like actually the more worshipful thing that we could probably do at the end of this day would be to give you an actual chance to engage with God. And so we're going to do that. We're going to give you 10 minutes, actually, to take that sheet that's on uh, your chair. And um, we chose a passage that we had used in our group. It's in Ephesians, which is a really great book to read. And it's on one side. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you uh, just to sit there and just to go, you know what, um, and can I just say, I feel like when I was thinking about this, the perfect illustration I had is, I, I feel like uh, starting to read the Bible and engage with God is like learning how to ride a bike, okay? And the first time you get on, you just, how long do you actually stay up, okay? So, uh, so for many of you, this might, and, and I remember for me, I, I, Howard Benton wanted to ride bikes when I was five, and I didn't know how, and I was like too embarrassed to do it, because I didn't know how to do it. And, and that's why the coolest thing, though, is you're just sitting there, this is just between you and God. Enoch, but I know that for some of you right now, you're going, I, you're gonna, I have to do this? You're going to give me 10 minutes to actually engage with God? I have no idea how to do this. You know what? It's just like riding a bike, and it might be really weird. You, you know, the other thing is, you fall a lot when you ride a bike. It's not like it's smooth. You guys, it took me years, months, years to get into a practice where, it's, it's, where it, now I can't live without it. When the Bible says, and Jesus quotes, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to tell you right now, you get to a point where you can't live without it. But I remember when I was first learning to ride a bike, my sister pushed me down the driveway. And uh, we actually had a hill at the bottom. And that way I had finally learned how to steer, but I hadn't learned how to use brakes yet. And uh, I went flying right down the end of the thing, right into the swamp, you know, right before school. It was a great experience. And so sometimes you just, you, you, you just won't get it, but I want to encourage you right now. Take, take a 30 seconds, take a prayer, and ask God to say, hey, would you have anything that you want to say to me through this passage? And then just read that, that, that back and see if there's one verse, just one verse that intrigues you. Write it at the top. Just start to write about what you observe about that passage. What's it, what's it mean to you? What is it saying that is true? What's, what's the actual scripture just saying to you about it? And then write that down and then say, how would I actually apply this to my life? And write that down and then write down a small prayer to God. 
And who knows, maybe even in these 10 minutes, it wouldn't be beyond God to just whisper to your heart, like Brian said, that it's not just an academic exercise, but you actually start to hear the whispers. So we're going to give you 10 minutes. Go ahead and have a shot at it, and then we'll close up the service. Other practical things, if, if you would like to meet with the master every single day and start to learn this practice, one of the things you could do is out in the lobby, we'll have these life journals, and you can just pick them up for five bucks, and there'll be a lot of good, clear explanation in the front of them to kind of remind you and stir you to do this. Um, I would say a couple things is, one, just do it by yourself and get to practice yourself doing that, but, but I would also encourage some of you to consider finding one or two other people to do this with. I, I think that's been one of the greatest benefits that we've had every Thursday morning is we spend the first half hour just doing it, and then we get together and we just share with each other what we've, what we've gotten out of it, and it's unbelievable, the discussion. I, there hasn't been a Thursday morning yet, I don't think, Brian, where I just feel like we've walked out and been the, just a real sense like, man, I, God spoke to us, and we're learning from each other. So I really encourage you to maybe think about that you can do it by yourself, absolutely, you should, I think, at learning, again, how to do this just with God. But another possibility would be to say, you know, let's get together and let's do this. I had uh, Eric actually link was down here. Another idea we had is some of you are already in groups, and you don't need to get together and actually spend time reading the Word together. Maybe you can just share what happened during the week in your own personal time, but, but having a chance to learn this. But I want to tell you guys, if we really want to be different a year from now, if we actually want the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, if we want to look like Jesus at all in this world, then we got to start spending time with the Master and letting his word transform us. All right? Um, the other thing is our greeters are going to come forward right now, and they're going to take our offering, um, which we normally do as well while we're singing songs. But I, I just have a few more things to share with you. And they're just going to go ahead. And so if you came prepared today um, to give, again, if you're visiting with us, please don't worry about the financial piece of this. But uh, again, the offering is just our life back to God. And if you came ready to, to give today um, just out of your own love for him, go ahead and do that. I'm just going to share a couple more things uh, while we're doing this. I, I know many of you out there um, uh, maybe just don't have a Bible that makes any sense. Maybe you don't have a Bible, or maybe the only one you have is the King James that was written in the 1500s, and it's really hard to understand. Um, let me just give you a couple options, uh, I think, of really good Bibles to, re to read. Um, one would be the New International Version. Um, there's basically two that we usually use here on Sunday mornings. One is the New International Version, NIV. The other one is called uh, the New Living Translation, um, NLT, would, would be either one of those. But if you, go to a, if you go to Barnes & Nobles or Borders, or especially if you go to the, to the Christian bookstore in town, you're going to walk in there and see, golly, there's 50 NIVs. There's, there are so many different varieties of Bibles out there. Uh, there are two that I would encourage you to get. One is called the Life Application Bible. And you can get it in the NIV or the NLT. And what's really cool about the Life Application Bible is many times, for those again, it is confusing. I use these things all the time because there's stuff in there I don't, I don't get. It's still, still, you'll be in a constant learning process. On the bottom, you'll actually read the scripture. And then on the bottom, they will actually help you to know how to apply that to your daily life. And I'm telling you, that is, it is so helpful. And so if you have been reading the Bible and you don't know how to get it into your daily life, I would encourage you to buy the Life Application Bible in the NIV or the NLT. Now, if, if a deeper issue for you is not getting it into your life but just understanding it, 
if, it, if, it, if again, you, just, you don't have much background in the Bible or don't understand the culture of it, and it's just confusing lots of times, another great Bible is just called the Study Bible. And you'll have an NIV Study Bible or the NLT Study Bible, and it does the same thing. I, I have one of these. I use it all the time where I'm reading, and every time I don't get something, you can just go down to the bottom right there on that page, and it'll explain much of the stuff that's in the Scriptures. And so those would be uh, the four Bibles that I would consider um, getting and I would offer to you. Uh, the other thing is people always go, where do I start? <laughs> you know, if I'm actually going to do this soap method and go home tomorrow on Monday and, and, and start to read, then where, where do I start? And I just want to encourage you, do not start. Um, well, you can start wherever you want. But, man, if you start, like, at Leviticus or, you know, Numbers, you're going to stop, you know, after a couple weeks. I would really encourage you. Here's a few options. First John is a great book in the Bible. There's lots of Johns, actually. In the New Testament, there's John, the Gospel of John, and then there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st John is just a great, great book about the love of God, what he's done for us in Christ, and it can really help solidify you there. Another, the other two that I think are great are Ephesians or Colossians. And those are great books because there's some, there's some deeper understanding of what, what God has done through Christ, but there's also some very practical ways about how you live out your faith. And then the other thing, you guys, is you can't, you can't go wrong with just reading about Jesus. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just, just pick one of those, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. And then John comes at it from a totally different perspective. It's actually my favorite, um, but everybody's different. So I really encourage you there. Those are some books that you could start reading. Um, those are a couple Bibles that I think would be helpful for you in understanding. And then, um, and then the third thing is, just consider doing this in relationship with some other people. Because it encourages you, it kind of holds you accountable, and it can keep you going. And the last thing I'll say is this. I also just, just find the best time. You know, we should give God our best. And if we really want that, if it's the morning, if that's when you're awake and you're alert and it's quiet, that's the only time it's quiet in my house. And so if it's the morning, that's great. For some of you, it's going to be at night. It doesn't matter. There's no magic time. But find a time, and as Craig shared last night, find a place. And then open up the Bible and just pray and say, God, would you actually speak to me? And practice this. Again, you guys, it's going to be like riding a bike. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be smooth right off the bat. But you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And next thing you know, it's something that's a part of your life. You know, and I've shared this before. Rut's back there. It's like to, to watch Rut play the guitar up here is something I can only dream about. Because I decided not to continue practicing <laughs> my guitar. And I think what's weird is I think some of you look at certain Christians and you go, oh, man, if I could have the life they had. You guys, a, a great statement. When Moses saw the burning bush, you know, the, what, what made it so fancy? Was it the bush? No, it was the flame inside the bush. And the guy said, so any old bush will do. <laughs> any person, any person can experience God intimately and powerfully because it's him inside you that makes a difference. So spend time with the master. Start tomorrow. See what happens. See how he changes your life. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.